Hello and welcome. My name is Wes Saunders. I'm Managing Director, Defective Records. Today I'll be hosting a very interesting panel on emerging talent and we will be discussing emerging, developing and future talent as well as the journeys and experiences of my very excellent panellists and we'll be touching on some points of advice and tips for budding DJ producers and radio presenters and future talent. Firstly, with me, I'm very pleased to welcome Sarah Story, Radio One presenter, radio DJ, new Friday night specialist. Congratulations and welcome. Thank you. Hello. We have Lev, who is a student music network and My Soul radio DJ. Hello. <laughs> and we have Tijan Salah, who is the Outreach and Engagement Manager at Point Blank Music School, which of course now has offices in London, LA, China, Ibiza, Mumbai, and online. As a welcome, guys. Thank you very much for making the time today to, to do this. And uh, as I said just now, of course, very interesting because the last time we had a conversation, you were interviewing me. So it's uh, just shoes on the other foot. Welcome to our student uh, network DJs as well. So thank you very much for traveling in today. So first of all, Sarah, congratulations on your thank you. Radio One gig. It's been quite some journey, hey? Yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Because um, I entered the Christmas cover competition last year in September. Um, entered my demo hope for the best and then yeah they asked me to cover Annie Mac uh, on Christmas on New Year's Day it was and then that's kind of where it started they asked me to cover for Danny and then Annie again and then they called me up in April and was like you've got a job I was like wow that was fast um, but it hasn't happened overnight so I haven't just got into radio I've been doing radio for about six years professionally um, so I started uh, professionally, I started when I was 16, actually, which wasn't six years ago, unfortunately. Um, but I started at CFM um, and then, yeah, moved to Capital and then was there six years and then now Radio 1. So it's been, been a bit of a mad one. It's been great. Did you always know you wanted to go into radio? Is that always something and always a dream of yours? Yeah, ever since I was about 13 and I heard Sarah Cox on the radio because I think at that time there wasn't really that for me. There wasn't that many northern accents on the radio and on TV, women especially. And uh, she was really loud. She was a bit of a ladette, I suppose. That's what people would call her. And she was really unapologetic. And I was like, I really like her. And that was it then. It was just like obsessed with Radio 1, obsessed with listening to her. And and that was what I got. I got the bug for really. Even listening to the chart and stuff on a Sunday. I used to do that thing with the tape where you'd like... You know, you press pause and stop it. She wouldn't get the, you know, you had to do that. So I was always really obsessed with radio. And yeah, eventually when I was 16, finally got a Saturday job, um, which was mad really for that age because it's such a young age. Um, but yeah, it's always been a bit of ob an obsession. And it finally hit me on Friday night that I've got the job. I was like, this is what I do now. This is mad. Yeah. How did you, uh, yeah, when it hit you on Friday, I mean, how, how did you feel? Like, was it, you know, was it, do you feel like you've kind of where you want to be? Did you feel like yeah, the journey had led you to that point was was all worthwhile? Were you super excited, nervous? How, how were you yeah, feeling? Yeah, I was really excited. <laughs> At first, obviously, I was nervous, especially the first show. I was really nervous. Even going in the building and seeing the Radio 1 branding is like, 
terrifying. It's like it's exciting, but it's like, whoa, this is this is real. Um, but no, I was excited. I had to do a link with Danny, a live link. We do it every week now at quarter to eight, where I tell him what I'm doing on the show. And then I ran back through to my studio, and it's all really exciting. It's all live, and it's like... But it just, yeah, I was just really excited. And I was like, I can't believe that I'm now that person that I used to listen to in the radio on a Friday night. It's now me doing it. And it, yeah, it just feels, feels amazing. And of course, Lev, you are also on radio, my soul oh. at, and, and uh, student network. Do you want to tell everybody? So about? essentially, I don't actually, I'm not on the radio on my soul. I work behind the scenes. I'm the, their programming assistant at the moment and just helping out. Um, but I am on the radio on Soho Radio and on Steam Radio, which is one in Manchester, and part of the Student Music Network, which is essentially a big company which look to support students wanting to get into the music industry. And where my role fits in particular is supporting student DJs, which this whole company is pretty new. There's the Student Radio Association, the SRA, which people might be more familiar with. Um, because a lot of people obviously come from, I don't know if you came from a student radio yes. background as well, yeah. Um, and so did I. And I feel like when you go to university, if you do student radio, everyone knows you absolutely fall in love with it. And that's what happened with me. I went to uni and did an English degree, did student radio, student radio took over, taught myself how to DJ while being in uni and then left, graduated last year and joined the Student Music Network. And... Me and the founder, Scott Hasty, kind of decided and realised that clubbing culture and DJing is actually a big part of a lot of students' lives. And it wasn't really, there wasn't a group covering that or there to support people. So that's kind of what the role, like my kind of role was to support and, you know, help to manage these student DJs, give them any advice, offer them opportunities and, yeah. So that's kind of how I got to, yeah, where I am. And then my soul came after that, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> we'll come back and talk about some of the advice and guidance that you uh, would, would kindly share with young people shortly. Um, <clears throat> TJan, at Point Blank, lots going on. Yeah. You want to talk about the breadth of subjects that are being taught at Point Blank now? It's quite extensive, yeah. eh? Yeah, I mean, like, really the big one is always music production and sound engineering. That's what people... That's the biggest, the most popular course, um, you know, music production and DJing. Um, there are a whole range of really talented young people that come to the school, um, the uni, and I feel like really privileged when I get the chance to listen to them. And kind of, it's weird because my role's kind of evolved into this kind of A&R thing as well, because we have the label um, at, at, the, at the school. So we're, it's our way of investing back into the talent. If we identify talent, of course, we want to connect them with different industry connects. But if we can, you know, utilize our own platforms ourselves to help them, then we do. And I'm very forward facing in terms of I'm always engaging, meeting different students, meeting people. So I find that I spend a lot of time listening to their music and then forwarding on them onto the right people. So suddenly part of, a, although I do a lot of careers advice, um, I find myself doing a lot of kind of A&R stuff as well, identifying talent, putting them in touch with labels. In terms of my journey there, because, you know, it's, it's weird, like there's this kind of, I don't know whether anyone's ever felt this kind of imposter syndrome along the, along the journey of their career. You think to yourself, who am I to be telling people how to go about 
being successful in the music industry when you know I'm still on my journey. I'm sure we hear like Sarah, you're at Radio One, and I think everyone probably looks at you and goes, "You've done it all," but I'm sure you still feel to a degree you're still on your journey. I feel like I've just started. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So you know, and then you know, you get people that are referred to as legends, and they're like, well, I'm, "I ain't done yet. I'm still in the game." You know, still on, still on so, the journey. So, so like, so. I've kind of got this thing where I'm still on my journey as well and I find I meet people and I'm trying to help them with their journey. But I'm very proud of the road I've taken. And just to, I try and summarize this as quick as possible, but I feel that my experience has given me a good position to be able to speak to young people and help guide them in their journey on the career. So, you know, academically, when I was young at school, I was, I was bright. I was, you know, I did good academically, but I don't know, I just, I was very charismatic and it got me in a lot of trouble. And at that time, there wasn't really many tutors and teachers that could culturally identify with me. So that created a lot of conflict for me. And actually, I didn't do my GCSEs when everybody would have done their GCSEs. I'm sure some of you are on your course of studies right now, right? And maybe thinking, maybe I'm doing as really good, maybe I'm not doing as well as I can, is it gonna be all over if I fail this exam or whatever? Well, you know, I didn't do my GCSEs when I should have. Um, I was kicked out of school. I ended up in like a referral unit and I was surrounded by people to be blunt that are, you know, that their future wasn't great. They ended up in prison for all sorts of kind of activities that they shouldn't have been getting into. And I could have easily fallen by the wayside by getting involved with that. But a few people identified that I had a bit of talent and that I was bright and kind of shifted me into kind of getting back onto my studies. And so I did that. Um, I picked up a real value for education. I loved rap music, hip hop. And this is the key thing, study what you enjoy. So I, I utilized my love for rap and I was like, well, what do I want to study? I want to study English literature. People are like, why? What's that good? Because I want to enhance my ability as a poet as a lyricist, as a writer. So it was easy for me. When I did my cover letter for uni, I wasn't like trying to impress my parents. I was just trying to do what I loved. So my cover letter conveyed my passion. So whatever you're studying, I really pray that you're not doing it because your mum and dad want you to do it, but you're doing it because you actually give a damn about that subject. And what happened is, as a result, I did manage to get my A-levels, I managed to get my degree, and I developed a real passion for education because it freed me from my set of circumstances and gave me opportunity. And so I'm very privileged now in a nutshell. I mean, I, I realize I've been going on a bit, but I've managed to fuse my career in terms of my love of education and my love of music. Like there's been many jobs along the way. Some weren't glamorous. I can really remember one of the, one of the low moments was being at Epson race course, picking up cigarette butts with a thing just on some sort of part-time job. Like, oh my God, I'm at the bottom of the barrel right now. All while trying to combine this with a rap career, right? But during that journey, through those low points, I found myself fusing my love of education and my love of music. And so I'm in the ideal place right now as in point blank because it's both, it's, a, it's academics, it's music. And here I am being able to advise. And because I've had a rocky journey, I can see people that are on there being, and be able to provide them advice in how to get where they need to get in their career. Sorry, Wes. No, don't apologise. I, I love listening to your talk, and especially there's a lot of things there that I connect with you, as we've spoken about in the past. Because I tell my children, I tell young people, I tell staff, it's like if you if you want to achieve something and you focus on that, you can achieve it. And actually, what, no matter what you do in life, 
if you work at it and you work hard, you will earn a living out of it, whether you are, you know, a painter or a DJ or um, an artist or work in McDonald's or whatever it is you do. If you work hard and you continue to work hard, you make a career for yourselves and you'll make a living for yourself in that, in that lane. And they say, you know, if you, if you do a job that you hate, it's called stress. And if you do a job you love, it's called passion. And it's very much passion that leads you, especially in the music industry, passion and, per and, and, and persistence, actually, that will, that will do that. I mean, I have a quite an interesting career path, actually. I started off DJing in my late teens, blagging it away into clubs in London because you could back then. And you know, getting yourself up, open opportunities and taking those opportunities to elevate your career path, to end up you know DJing with likes of Global Underground and, and Renaissance and various brands, and then I, my wife fell pregnant, had children when we were very young, and I focused on what my mother-in-law called a real job, and worked in investment banking. Um, I did that for 12 years. I was actually promoted every two years I was there in the bank. I was on my path to be the youngest director in Deutsche Bank operations history at the age of 29, and my brother died of leukemia. He was 24, I was 27 at the time, and I just decided, you know what, life's too short. I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I wanted to go back into music, and I was very fortunate enough to have management team around me and my wife who supported my decision. My parents supported my decision, my mother-in-law probably less so, but I actually, um, chose the path to, to leave um, and I was very fortunate to have the support around me to enable me to do so and focus on a career in, uh, in music again and I set up a small label uh, suite and the first three months of efforts as for those that have ever done anything like this an independent small time label will know it's taxing, it's long hours for not a lot of money I got my first paycheck three months in, it's 265 quid. I was like, oh my God, I better do something about this. And I developed it into five labels, teaching young people how to produce, present, um, managing artists, DJing, producing myself. And to, to, to your point, we set up a uh, community development um, project called First Steps, which became part of 8 Media, which is a charity organization in Stratford, which 8 Media is responsible for um, working with students such as like Jay Huss and Notes and other people teaching them how to produce and it was exactly what you were saying it was designed to help young people who had been kicked out of school were not in education employment or training or young adults that just didn't have opportunities and especially in Stratford East London area it's it's quite tough there was a lot of gang culture at that time there was even kind of you know t breeding ground for terrorist activity it was like a lot of problems for young people and the idea was really to help them to kind of focus. And the, the fundamentals of all of this was about, you know, passion, focus, and, and discipline. And, and that was really the path that we were looking down. I had a, the fortunate um, to be working on the project to remix sort of 20th anniversary versions of uh, Inner City Good Life with Kevin Saunderson. And he'd introduced me to Simon Dunmore, who is obviously the, the gaffer here. And uh, I sent him a demo, which uh, he rejected as, as standard. And, uh, and um, I'd, that was my introduction to Simon. And I was just sitting at home one night and I was just like, right, I need a mentor. Like, I need a mentor now. I can't, I can't do any more than I've done. So I sent him an email and told him, you know, this is who I am, this is what I've done, uh, I need a mentor. He kindly invited me in for a discussion. And every time I tell this story, it gets longer and longer. We were in there for about six hours, no, it wasn't, it was about an hour, but Simon's time's precious. And, um, and uh, it was around the time of Wolf of Wall Street had come out and he said to me, uh, uh, I believe you could sell me this pen. 
And um, I went home, a couple of days later, he called me up, he said, do you want a job? I said, what's, the, what's that? He said, do you want to be club promotions manager? And I felt at the time it was maybe promoting club events, but it wasn't, it was promoting defective records to DJs. And I was like, oh my God, like Simon's gonna pay me to get DJs to play defective records, I can do that. And uh, I took that opportunity, but what, uh, in similar to my career path in investment banking, as soon as I took the opportunity with the door open here, I, I, I didn't stop. Um, my, my idea, and as you say, imposter syndrome, it's like, I, you know, we still have that now. And my, my, my focus was to, to develop and evolve within the company. So very quickly, as well as club promotions, I was radio plugger and executive producer of Defective in-house radio show. In fact, it was at that time that um, Copyright left the show and Sam Devine actually took over, which was back in 2014. We then went on to take on some label management roles and head of marketing for recordings and then head of marketing for the business. And at the time that the previous managing director had left, uh, or was leaving, Simon kindly uh, asked me for my aspirations and I said that you know one day I'd like to run the company and, and he offered me the job. Um, of which I'm very grateful and here I am as managing director of Defected since 2016. So we, the, the thing was, with, for all of that, even now to this day, it's always about pro progressing and, and did I know that was what I was going to end up doing at that time? No, I had no idea. I mean, Sarah, from your perspective, you, you, you were a singer once, are you still singing? You still singing? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I still sing. Um, I kind of write more for other people now. Um, but yeah, when I first started getting into everything, I wanted to be a singer and I did a music degree in Liverpool. Um, and being a, the vocal was like my main instrument. Um, and yeah, in my head, I kind of wanted to be a singer. And then I realised that I was all right at singing, but I wasn't like Whitney Houston. And I was like, but I think I'm really good at broadcasting and I, th I just kind of said to myself right well what am I better at so I still sing and I still write and I still love doing it um but yeah that's when I kind of decided right actually I think I want to kind of push the broadcasting thing a bit more yeah and I, I do you know what I actually a similar thing I, I was never of a standard of um DJ like wanting to be a superstar DJ kind of character it was never in my style but I also made the decision back in 2018 that it's like I just stopped DJing because I was like I want to work on the business side of things and I'm going to you know sacrifice the DJing element to it to, to focus and my attention and I think sometimes it's important for you to actually admit that to yourself and, and take the right steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I think it's hard, like, there's so many things that you want to do. There's so many things I want to do. Like, I've been trying my hand at producing and, and singing on my own tracks and things like that. And I absolutely love doing that. And I'm still going to do that. But I think it's you've kind of got to streamline it a little bit and not try and do absolutely everything. Because then, it, what, what's the saying? Um, Jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> but, yeah, I think if you can kind of really, really streamline the thing that you want to do, and that takes time as well. It's, like, about learning about yourself and what you enjoy the most and kind of find what lane that you want to be in and focus on that. I think that's when things happen faster for you. Let's break it down into the areas of, of emerging talent. So from a producer, let's start with you, TJ, and from a producer yeah. perspective, what advice do you give to young people on your courses? Uh, well, a little bit of what Sarah just mentioned about streamlining as well. I think sometimes a lot of people are trying to produce an Afrobeat, tech house, drum and bass, hip-hop drill, grime, and whatever else. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool, as long as it's all got your fingerprint to it, but maybe you want to find 
find your lane a little bit. Like, it's all it's it's good. I'm not trying to stifle your creativity and say don't do those things. But you know, how many producers do you know that are actually? I don't know any producer that is like the king of every genre, right? We know a producer and we know them for being exceptional at a certain style. And I think identifying what it is that you want to do. I feel like over the years, like music, like commercial music contains so many genres now. Um, I feel like maybe if you take it 20 years ago, there was a very like defined style that is, this is pop music. But now, like for example, a drill tune can be top of the charts or a drum and bass track or a house joint, yeah? Whereas before it was very rare that something from that kind of niche, niche genres would make it into that realm. There was kind of like a really defined sound of a, a, a pop sound. Now commercial music can be from any genre. And I think where that might trip up certain new emerging producers is they think, oh, well, I can make anything because anything is commercially viable. But actually I think find the thing that you really enjoy making and the thing you really understand in depth, like, you know, something that as a producer, you can listen to it and almost break down the elements. You can hear the hi-hat, you can hear the snare, you can see the structure in terms of the intro, the bridge, the when it drops, where the chorus is coming. You kind of have that intricate knowledge of how those tunes are produced or whether you know you've got that sophisticated kind of connoisseur approach to like I know this is a good joint I know everybody I know it's successful and every Joe blog that listens to Tech House thinks this is great but actually they kind of fluked it a little bit they got there off the back of their brand because actually I have a real understanding of this genre and this is technically a supreme production if you kind of understand stuff like that that's probably your lane and that's probably where you should focus your style. And that doesn't mean don't do other things, but in terms of as a profession, think right, this is gonna be my identity. This is gonna be my brand. This is gonna be me, DJ X. And this is my sound, my approach, my Instagram. It might, if my music is dark, ambient, moody, then my Instagram picture is dark, ambient, moody. If it's vibrant, colorful, and you know, Jumpy, then my Instagram, my whole brand 360 across is going to represent what I'm doing. Find that identity and make sure it ties in across all your brand. Don't try and be everything all at once um, because you're, you're, you're going to spread yourself a little bit thin, I would say. It's also confusing for people as well, um, you know, like, because people want to work out who you are. And I, I know you don't want to be put in a box, but like you say, I think if you have your kind of, if your music is one kind of sound and one vibe, like you say, have that on your Instagram and stuff like that. And I found that when I first moved to London, I was wanting to be a broadcaster, but also I was trying to do too many different things. And I was wanting to do like cool DJ gigs, but then I was doing more commercial stuff, like stuff for MTV. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. Like all my audiences are very, very different and once I kind of went Do you know what I'm actually going to stop doing all that I'm going to focus on doing dance music that's when actually things started working for me and started flowing a lot better so like yeah like you say like make sure that you're not doing loads of different things because it's confusing to the to your followers on Instagram and, and to everyone else and I'm going to bring it back to that that word passion again it's like do what you love I mean, so many producers will make a record and it will be great or, or not. Or at the amount of times you will find that an entry point for a now developed like producer will be very different sound sonically to the things that they're making 
down the line. And I think that's one of two things. I think people tend to start to drift a little bit and follow trends as opposed to making the things that they love. But also, once you start touring, time is restricted and they perhaps don't have as much time to put the focus and passion into the things that they're doing again. So, you know, you get a record, a big record, and it might be a one-hit wonder from somebody um, because they're either decided that they want to be somebody they're not or they're not really concentrating on focusing on developing their strengths of what they've already kind of entered into the scene. And as you say, it's important for brand alignment to make sure that you're aware of who you are and, wh um, and what you want to be and actually do, do the right thing. Um, the other thing that I would always tell producers, and especially entry-level producers, is to, is to have a plan. It's very unlikely that you're going to make a record and get signed to the biggest labels of that genre with your first record, because perhaps there isn't a story, perhaps you don't have the profile in, perhaps you're unknown, perhaps the longevity and the investment are not clear, perhaps there is a risk that it could be a kind of one-time thing, I think what I always advise young people is to start to have an idea of, of where you want to go and how you can get from A to B. And I think that there are sort of stepping stone labels and opportunities that lead you on that path. Yeah, Continuous growth and development. Yeah, and hands over to you, TJ. I want to speak on that actually a little bit because um, I feel like, I don't want to sound like a dinosaur, right? But I feel like obviously with social media now, we're very kind of used to instant gratification like boom like it boom like go move on yeah boom watch three seconds of a clip oh that was great boom, move on right um and as a result that the trend in the music industry is like albums yeah cool but everyone's dropping singles single 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 singles right and i think when people are like i want to enter the music industry they're like all i need is one track bam they've done that track they put it on spotify and they're hoping for a million streams or they get so attached to it they do this kind of what i call paralysis by analysis like they're mixing it they're mixing it for the next two years or they're not ready to drop it until they've got so many followers or whatever it is now i am a fan of people that are developing a body of work behind the scenes because I feel like it's helping them develop that identity. So it's like, don't just make one track go, oh, it's a banger, let me drop it on Spotify and, and now, I, I, why, am, why am I not famous yet, right? It's like, maybe you should build free, four, maybe you should try and build an EP or like 10 tracks and, and then build a strategy of like, right, I'm gonna drop this one in June then I'm going to drop this one in August, but this one's going to have a video with it or whatever. You know, build that body of work because one, it will help you define your style. It will help you hear what your sound is collectively. So it will give you more of an identity of yourself and like, wow, that actually sounds cool. I could imagine what the EP cover would look like on this. I can start to see my image, my brand. I can start to see it. And then it will help you develop more of a long-term strat strategy. Like rather than just firing off one shot, boom and expecting it to hit the target, you're like, nah, this one single is actually part of a marketing strategy because the second single is gonna drop, then the third single, then the fourth single, then I might drop the whole thing as a package. So I think having that kind of tactical approach is really something that, you know, can help you. And also like as well, just to add to that is, you know, the game now, like anyone that's just like, I want to go, I want to be signed on Universal, right? Just like, here's a track of mine. People come up to me all the time. They're like, listen to that track. Now I want to get signed to a major. Like maybe your journey doesn't start like that. 
Like a lot of the people that you see that are superstars, you might never have really heard their first body of work. Like, I know it's a bit of a weird example, but Eminem's may, may first album, everyone thinks, everyone thinks Eminem's our first album was with Dre, but he had a project called Infinite that kind of hardly anybody's heard, right? So it's like, now we've got the beauty of like social media, like gathering a following, developing our own market, like utilize that to develop your own fan base because it's not like you walk up to a label audition and go, hi, but look at me, do sing, sing, dance, wear a jacket like Spice Girls. And then we go, yeah, we're going to sign you. No, labels are really looking. They want you to have done most of the work before they sign you. I ironically, actually, by the time a major tries to sign you, you might not even need them. You've got to do the groundwork yourself, build your following, develop your brand, understand yourself, know how to communicate with your audience. That's really your audition. That is your audition for a label. Most of that, by that point, the labels will be approaching you. It's kind of not the other way around, I believe. That's my, that's my, there are obviously exceptions to those circumstances, but I think do the groundwork. Don't go out there going, here's one track. I'm going to get signed to a major. And that, that's a good point. A the, the, the lot of hard work goes into getting you from to, to that point. This is really worth noting. Lev, you obviously work with a lot of aspiring club DJs, mm. student DJs. Yeah. Tell us about how, you know, the things, the advice and guidance that you give to those young people. Well, what we've been doing is kind of just working with the whole, like, yeah, the group of student DJs, offering them, basically, the main thing I always try and go down is that I am, I'm basically coming from the same background they all are. I was a student last year. I know the route that they've all kind of gone down. And I think the main thing is for everyone to understand is that like, we're all still figuring out how to navigate this industry. Like none of us really, you don't really know. There's so many aspects to it and it becomes very confusing and you don't understand a lot of, a lot of the aspects. For example, when I started, first I DJ, I've been DJing for about three years now, but one of my first paid events, someone said to me, oh, about a DJ fee. And in my head, I thought, oh, a fee? That sounds like I have to pay. And so I, I asked them like, oh, do I have to pay or do you pay me? And I felt like, when they were like, obviously we pay you. And I felt like an absolute idiot. But it's stuff like that, that I think is important because it's little things that you might feel dumb asking, but in reality, you don't know and you're not taught that. And it's stuff that, stuff, small things like that that you're just not taught about. Um, that I think is quite important to get across to students. And having this whole community is good because students can talk to each other and kind of give each other advice. And it's about like creating little conversations within that community about, you know, how have people got their first gigs or how have people got in touch with promoters? How do you get in touch with promoters? And kind of working on that aspect of it. And also within that group, I've created a, a a smaller group with women non-binary and gender minorities because it is obviously a very male-dominated industry. The whole music industry is, and so is DJing. So I thought it was important to kind of create that space as well and focus on developing the confidence within that group because you do find that confidence is a lot lower. It seems to be a lot lower when you're not a guy and it seems to be the people who weren't men who had the least experience within DJing or perhaps were at the lowest levels of that. So also focusing a bit on that group and helping out. How have you found that, Sarah, as a successful female presenter now? How, how, are you, how have you found that journey? Has it been a challenge? 
what to get to where I am. Mm. Yeah, it's been such a challenge. I've had to take so many risks. Um, just, I feel like I've, I've moved house about 13 times um, just because I, I got a job. My first job with Capital, I didn't even ask where Wrexham was, thank God, because I got there and I was like, oh, I left Leeds for Wrexham. No offence if I was from Wrexham. So I went to Wrexham and it was a building site and um, the kitchen was uh, a porter cabin and we had port loos And they're like, oh yeah, we're rebuilding the radio station. I was like, oh, you never told me that when I got the job. Um, so I dealt with some tricky situations, but um, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been like, obviously it's quite hard having to move around and leave your family and leave your friends and things like that. But um, last year was probably like the biggest challenge for me because I'd worked at Capital and I'd worked there for quite a long time, for like six years, doing breakfast, drive, then a national radio show. But I wasn't happy doing it because ultimately I'm a massive music fan. And the, the, the way they program the music there is it's kind of done by management, not by the presenters. So I was like, do you know what? If I don't do this now, I might never do it. I might never... I might never get to really achieve what I really wanted to do. So I'd saved some money... And in a pandemic, decided to leave my job last August. And everyone told me not to do it. But I just had this feeling in my gut. I was just like, I've just got to go. I've just got to do it. And, uh, and it was really hard, actually. It was really emotional. It took me about six months to get my head around it. Just, I felt like I was getting a divorce. I mean, I've not been married, but I imagine it was like that. Um, and, uh, and, but luckily, entered the Christmas cover at Radio 1 and then got a job at the end of it. I mean, that... I never knew that was going to happen. Um, luckily, it did. But I think the whole my I think the way I've been successful is about being a, a risk taker and going going with my gut. I think when you go with your gut, your gut is always right. Whether it's about a person, a relationship, a job, whatever it is, your gut is generally right. Um, but yeah, I faced a lot of challenges, and it's been. It's been tough. And I think last year, actually, I think I got to a point where I was like almost about to give up. And I think sometimes you have to get to that point for it to then happen. I've read that a few times about people where they've nearly given up and then it's happened. So, yeah, it's been it's been my journey. I always say it's like a ball. The way I describe it, it's like you've got a ball in your hand and the only way you're going to get it higher is to hit the floor. It's like you have to, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. You have to hit that moment where you kind of, you know, deciding whether to turn around or not and it's in, and it's yeah. the only way back up again I and feel that I think I hit that last year yeah. after uni when I when you sang about the low point of the job that was me last year I was working in creams you know in the dessert shop huh? and it was just it was the low point for me and I was like I like that shop, shop though it's not, good. not when you work there no. <laughs> but and I just remember I was I was working then I was like I can't I was like, I can't do it anymore so that's with my my sole job I basically I emailed the guy um, I emailed him like two years ago as well, asking if I could like just do some work experience there. And he, he actually like he had my email. I basically emailed him this long um, email, and it's basically it was just completely truthful. And it was like, I absolutely love your station. I love your music. I love everything you do. I think I can help you out in this way, like through within their social media. And um, I basically said if you could help a really lost twenty-one year old, you know. I'd really appreciate it. Then he, he, the guy came back and he was like, you know, it's one of the best cover letters I'd read before because it was honest and it was just, I was completely, I was just at the end of my tether. And then from there, I actually got, a, you know, got a kickstart scheme, which, you know, I guess COVID kind of helped with that. And now I'm, I work there full time. So, you know, I did reach my low point, but basically send that email if you're, if yeah. you're considering not, just do it. 
Without the risk of sounding condescending as well, because like a lot of the audience look young, and I can guarantee you, like maybe some of you have already had like a real traumatic experience, right? But somewhere along the line, something is going to shatter the foundations of, of your life, right? And Dwez is laughing, so I'm I just know you've been there, well, yeah? Uh, yeah, but also it's just, uh, it, unfortunately, it's, 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 it's part of true. life. Yeah, it's and part I, of life. I, I always say to people that you don't learn about yourself until the shit hits the fan. Yeah, so like when that happens, it can often feel like game over. But so much growth can take place during that point in time. And I hope you remember this as well, because, you know, once you're in the midst of something that makes you feel like you're rock bottom, whether it's a bad job, whether it's a, uh, a breakup, breakups are crazy, you know, what they can do to you. Um, whether it's just being stuck in a rut or grieving over a family member or something like that, it can put you in a space that is really challenging. But what you'll find is there's some amazing growth and how you respond. So Lev gave a fantastic example of being rock bottom and making an approach. Um, I remember going through a specific separation and during that time, so many, I felt like it was over, but actually so much growth occurred. I, I was running my own business at the time, which was to do with um, marketing and promotions for events. I managed to sell part of my business to a really like a, a massive events company at the time. Um, like developed my own house, like property, got on a mortgage ladder, everything. I couldn't believe that was going to happen to me at that point in time, but it forced me to push myself. So I think it, when those low moments come as well is, is how you respond to them and how you deal with them because there's so much growth in that. So, you know, look at them as not just endings, but opportunities for new beginnings. You all touch on... You all said luck at some point, and I believe you make your own luck, right? And I believe you make your own luck because you work really hard and you're prepared and you're disciplined and you're persistent and you persevere. And that's why I believe those opportunities are, are given to, to you. Would you agree with that with young people? You agree? Yeah, I feel like that is, it's one of those issues when it's hard to be proud of what you've, what you've achieved sometimes or accepted or yeah, accepting that you've actually, actually I have done this for myself. Sometimes that can be quite hard. Or I find that quite hard to do. And you're right. It's like, I always end up saying, oh yeah, it's lucky I got that. But in reality, I made that happen myself. And sometimes yeah, you do have to just believe in yourself a bit. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of which, you're obviously from a radio presenter perspective, what advice would you give to aspiring presenters what should they what's the first somebody who's never done anything before decides today you know what i've heard your show i'd love to be the next sarah story what do they do what do they where do they begin um well first of all work out what it is you like about radio so what type of presenter do you want to be so if it is a dance music presenter and you want to do what i do um the first thing i would tell you to do is listen to a lot of radio as soon as i wake up i put the radio on and i listen to like loads of different radio stations through the day not just because i like like the music just to listen to the way they present and just just everyone's got a different way of, of presenting um so listen to a lot of radio and then get a radio demo together. And actually, making a radio demo is a lot easier than you think. When, I think when I was younger, I, 
I suppose you had to go into a big studio to do something like that. You can make a radio demo at home now. You can get Ableton, Audition, I use Audition, Audacity, which is free. Um, and I would just say, get five tracks that you really like, that you're really passionate about. And then you can get a mic, really cheap mic, for about 50 quid. Use your duvet. I mean, I still use my duvet now. I did for my first Radio 1 show. I had to record it at home under my duvet. I was like, this is not what I imagined. <laughs> um, and and record, record a demo. If you want to send me a demo, I'll listen to your demo and give you feedback. But the, the best thing is to have a demo because then you've got that thing to present to people. And then the next thing is to go on Google and find out who runs the radio stations. And it's, their email's pretty easy to work out. And just email them. Um, because I got into capital in Leeds because, well, I did. I was singing in a band for BBC. I did a BBC Introducing interview, and the girl lived in Leeds, and I was, it was in New York, it was in York the interview. So I asked her for a lift home, me being cheeky, and I said I want to get into radio in Leeds, but I don't know how to do it. I don't know anybody in, in Leeds. I just moved there, and she gave me the guy who runs Capital's email address. She said she met him at a house party. So I emailed him and literally hammered him for about a year. Just email, email, email. Like, I want you, want you to like get to come into the office. You know, I want to, I want to work at Capital, and that was how I got in. So it's about just networking. So get your demo ready, get networking, and someone will open the door for you. And in terms of behind the scenes at radio, you obviously have the experience now at, at, at MySoul. What do you, what would you say to aspiring producers? Uh, anybody working behind the scenes at radio, what advice would you give? Oh, um, oh God, I don't even know. Um, what would be the first I thing you'd do, you'd do if you were looking for a, an assistant producer job today at a radio station? Mine was such a weird route in. <laughs> but I, kind of, like, I did create the role for myself and kind of got in through there. But I think because you're all students and you've all come from your background within student radio, like use what you've got from student radio because you've all you can all now say that maybe you've had radio shows you produced your own radio shows there and it's about everything that you've learned there applying that to the real world so i think and you can all hopefully do that or even um getting in on a in community radio as well that's a great way because anything even you i know a lot of stuff is also free and you might have to volunteer your time to do things but if it's gonna if it's gonna help you get to that next level then it'd probably be worth it if you can say i've done this and you can put that on your cv then i think that's the next the next step yeah i, I would like just to add to this as well because sarah made a point within what sarah was explaining really she took that was the power of networking that got her the role which i feel really it's been a struggle the last two years to network, yeah? I mean, how do you really, really make a friend over a Zoom call? It's difficult, right? But things, we're here right now, back to reality, you know? I'm so happy to see you guys in the flesh. And let me tell you now, sitting to your left is the next person in five years' time. He's going to be a YouTube content creator, and every video he puts up is going to get two million views. Sitting to your right is going to be a producer for Radio 1. Sitting below you is like the next biggest club DJ. Potentially. Seriously, it's real like that. I mean, I went to school with Skepta. I didn't know. At the time, he was a DJ, right? Do you know what I'm saying? And now he's like working with Drake and stuff. It's crazy. So, so, so what I'm saying is like, no man is an island. 
You know, every successful person has a number of different people connected with them that have helped them get to their career. Now, Sarah just said it. She was like, I want to get a lift. Then I got a lift. Then I was like, then, then it was like, you know, first it was just about like, let me get a free Uber. But, but, then, it, but, then, it, but then it transformed into, yo, I'm trying to get into radio. And it just so happens, the person she was sitting next to networked with someone. And that person was the radio person, right? So this, this degree of connection happened and it worked in Sarah's favor, right? So talk, like, I say this all the time, like you need to go to the club, go to the, go to things like this, go to music panels, go to music conferences, like be at the clothes stores where your favorite DJ shops. It might sound crazy, but that's that the power of networking like you really don't understand. So you, you guys now exchange numbers, talk to people, you're young, you're in the early part of your career and in five, 10 years time, you're gonna have developed and progressed and you might need her and she might need you, yeah? So, and you can all help each other. So really start to go to these things, network, connect with each other. That will really help you in terms of your career path. And the amount of people that we, that we see actually backstage or that over the years I've seen a number of people that are now DJs or producers or radio presenters or staff that have just hung about backstage and I've seen them at festivals and gigs and all sorts of things and they're just creating networking and opportunity for themselves and they just put the graft in. I mean, I don't even know they got backstage in the first place, some of them, but <laughs> they did and they blagged it and they're hustlers and good on them, you know what I mean? Well done, because you've, you've done a good job. Well, one of your members of staff, well, right? I'm gonna talk about a couple of them in one, a minute. One of, your tomorrow, right? so one, one of your members of staff, testament to this, right? Used to attend um, Point Blank, yeah? And was about to wrap up her course or maybe had wrapped up her course, right? Sorry, I'm just putting you on the spot, Florentia. Um, and was like, she messaged our student services desk and was like, oh man, I, I love defective records. I, I want to get involved, right? And so student services knew that I held a panel with Wes involved. So they contact me and they're like, T, we got this student that wants to work at a label. I'm like, yeah, along with the other one million students that are emailing me saying I want to work at a label, right? But she's like, she's really nice and she's persistent. And I'm like, all right. So I was like, give her my email. So I get the inbox. I'm like, oh, I'll get to it. I've got loads of stuff on and I'm trying to do all my stuff. And then I get another email. Sorry, just following up. But that persistence paid off. And I said, all right, let's have a Zoom because I'm not going to introduce a homicidal psychopathic nutcase to Wes because I'll lose my connection. You know, I'm trying to keep my credibility out here. And... You know, after speaking to her, doing what I call a bit of a screening, I thought, you know what, she's cool and she has a real good understanding. So I was like, let's brush up your CV, let's get it on. And I spoke to Wes and I said, Wes, I've met someone. She seems, she's really into what you're doing. She understands it as well. You know, she's persistent. Can I put you in contact? And Wes said, yeah, eventually I put the email in. We'll make it happen. We'll have a meeting. Well, lo and behold, three, four weeks pass. And there she goes again in my inbox. What's happening? What's going on? I said, look, please. You weren't the only, you want the yeah, only one. Yeah, I, said, hit, I said, hit me up in two weeks time. 13 days later, I had an email <laughs> yeah, from Flo. Exactly. Exactly. But I said, be patient. Understand these things will happen in due course. Lo and behold, she's working here now. And she's still impatient because she wants to be doing more while she's here. And I say, <laughs> well, you go over and above and all things will happen for you in due course. So, yeah. But I'm going to use, I'm not going to embarrass her by 
for bringing her in, I'll mention her by name. But the it's a, it's a, actually the the model there with with what we have with this ex student is is something that is very consistent with staffing at Defected actually. And over the years, we have a number of people that have entered in. And I'm speaking on this about a business side actually, and I think it's important where we've covered you know DJs, producers, and radio to talk about entry level for business and staffing because I don't think many people do talk about that. And we. We have a number of um, times offered work experience to people, voluntary work experience in line with their education programme. So people, kids that are at school, young people, sorry, I shouldn't say kids all the time. Uh, young people that are in education and we've given them some work experience. That can then lead to paid internships in which turn can lead to a full-time job. And then some of those people enter a very junior level and they progress up. In fact, our from our heads of departments right now, we have our... PR and communications manager started as a doing voluntary work experience and, and she's now head of department. We have our head of media at Defected who entered, uh, he, his previous career was voluntary at Radio One and then took on a radio producer job and then got into social media and digital marketing is now head of media for Defected. So there's those pathways in and I would say you know, if you if you have the opportunity to do a week or two voluntary work experience as part of your education program, I would highly recommend it. Get a taste of what you want to do. Um, you know, if that does lead to opportunity into paid internships, then great, take those opportunities. And you can really test the water on what you do and you don't want to do. Let's just go quick, a couple of quick roundtable questions for you. Just a quick fire, shall we say. So, in terms of advice and guidance for people looking to be producers, what's the, the, the number one piece of advice? You know, I'll just summarise what I've said up to now, really, which is find your identity, find your lane, focus on it, understand it, get to grips with it. Um, network, be around other people. Vocalists, you're going to need vocalists. You're going to need radio DJs. You're going to need like whoever runs a pirate station. This doesn't network. feel like one bit of advice. This That's is it. Like a <laughs> quick fire. That was quick fire. Twenty minutes. I'm yeah. only, I'm only <laughs> Where's me and you? Got I know. The same, me and you got the same uh, disease. Unfortunately, I have to kind of interrupt because otherwise, me and TJ will be talking for two hours and completely off subject. Uh, sorry, mate. Uh, Sarah, radio presenter. What would you say? Learn your craft. Get really, really good at it. Because if you make yourself the best, then you'll stand out. So, yeah, learn your craft. Lev, aspiring DJs. I think, like, make your connections with all sorts of people and say yes to opportunities that you don't know. You don't know where an opportunity is going to take you. So take it on and it might take you somewhere completely different which, and it might completely pay off. So, yeah. As human beings, our ongoing dilemma and challenge is constantly to try to discover who we are. And actually, until you know who you are, you don't know necessarily what you want to do. And as a young person, that takes a, a while. I'd say, for me, I would say be patient, focus as hard as you can, work as hard as you can, take as many opportunities as you can. And that's my general advice on all of these points and from a staffing perspective. I want to talk about a couple of uh, um, uh, areas of emerging talent right now. Um, and I just want you guys to give some examples as well. But John Summit, uh, who is now you know, frequently releasing with Defected, played for us in Croatia. He has released on a lot of labels, had a lot of success, Beatles' top-selling artist of 
2020, nominated by AIM as a publishing award for his uh, radio airplay in 2020. Basically entered the pandemic as an accountant and he's leaving as a superstar DJ producer. Uh, he works hard, he's persevered, he's taken full advantage of the situation and actually made the most and the best of a pretty dire situation of COVID and the pandemic. Uh, fortunate enough in America that clubs were open for him to kind of focus on a relentless touring schedule, but he's really capitalized on that moment and, and continues to grow in that space. He, for me, is the sort of just a perfect example of what I think many young people want to try to aspire to achieve. He has achieved great things already for such a young person whose entry point is into the, the scene. It's not always going to be like that. You have any examples of DJ producers that are emerging, that are on their way up, that you would tell people to good role models to look out for? Lev, are you? I feel like there's a a uh, girl called Elle Murphy she's a garage producer and she's just what I see she's just releasing and releasing at the moment she just seems to be on fire she's a vocalist as well so you know she sings and she produces so for that she's got her fingers in a lot of pies it seems and she's working like working with a lot of other producers as well and therefore kind of spreading across a lot of different labels and you have a lot of producers so she seems to be yeah working her way forward Sarah, you obviously getting a gazillion demos a week. Anybody standing out for you as the next ones someone, to watch? Someone that stood out for me, I mean, he's, he's absolutely smashing it now. Someone that stood out for me last year was you, McVicker. Um, and because when we went into lockdown, I think he'd not actually had a chance to play any of his records out. It was Patrick Toppin that played his track at his night's trick. Um, but I don't think you had actually got the chance to even play the tune Street Rave that came out that was like really like doing the rounds and doing well. Um, and it's just been really nice to watch him over the last year and a half, just really grown. I was speaking to him the other day and he was like, you know, I, I nearly gave up. He was like, I, he's just left his part-time job last week, finally. And you'd think, you think these DJs have like, you know, they're really rich and stuff like that. But he, you know, he's been trying to be a DJ and a producer in a lockdown. So of course he's, you know, he's still got a job. And he was living on his friend's sofa. I think at one point and he, and he said to me and I was literally about to give up and um, look, big things are happening for him now and he seems just like a really genuine normal lad um, but I mean every tune he sends to me is brilliant and I think he's got a really like he's got an amazing thing about his tracks that he makes them sound really current but also really classic at the same time which is what I love about his music, because I love classic music, I love old house music as well. Um, but he's just, yeah, someone to watch, and I think he's going to be like bigger than Patrick Toppin, even. Like, I think he's going to be massive. Patrick Toppin, former Point Blank student, may I mention as well? Just. I mean, on that, who else, are, like, what other kind of main, you know, got anyone else that went to Point Blank that's worth mentioning? Oh, man. Our alumni is actually really pretty cool. Um, but Oh, you put me on the spot there. I think when we did like the, I forget her name, but one of the people that are heavily involved with Game of Thrones and the soundtrack stuff were there is is um, Point Blank alumni. We've got Leona Lewis is one of them as well. Um, oh man, it, there's a lot. I mean, I should I, my discredit. I can't reel them off name by name, but I think that's actually to do with the fact that we've got so many successful alumni that are working within the industry. That's quite a political way of getting out of that one, isn't it? <laughs> 
that's fair enough. Um, no, but we, you know, because we, we take a lot of ex-students from point, or we've taken a few ex-students over the years from point blank and then they're working with us or have worked with us as well. Same with Elam, you know, we have a couple of Elam students here that are, that are working with us, taking full advantage and opportunity to learn from their surroundings right now. Some of them not sleeping very much. Um, but um, but yeah, it's it's about taking taking opportunity. Um, okay, uh, I'm going to wrap it up there and give these guys an opportunity to ask some questions off camera. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, for those that haven't yet, please tune in to Sarah's brand new Friday night radio show on Radio One. You want to tell people the details? Yeah, tomorrow night, eight o'clock. Get me on. Get your shout outs in. Eight double one double nine. <laughs> And uh, Lev, for students that are not yet um, a part of the student network, what, what, yeah, how do they get in touch? Um, we're, I'm pretty sure, Student Music UK on Twitter, on Instagram. So you can just drop us a message on there or you can follow our Facebook page and then we'll be able to, yeah, if you DM us on there, then we'll get you involved in the group. And for those aspiring to 10 point blank in some capacity, any, how do they Yeah, I mean, just, you, just get, on, get on the old Google Point Blank Music School. Um, it will come straight, straight right at the top, and then you can see the whole, you know, how to sign in, how to get involved with us, speak to our student services team. They can give you a bit of guidance about what you want to study. On a personal level, if you just want to hit me up about music stuff and that, um, my IG is Kingpin Connect, K-I-N-G-P-I-N Connect with a K, K-O-N-N-E-C-T, and boom, you know, I'm out here doing my bit as well. So you know, just let's network, let's chat, let's go. And for those that don't know, you can, of course, hit us up at demos at defected.com, jobs at defected.com, and uh, many of you will hit me up directly at Wes Saunders across various social media channels. But thank you very much for attending. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you very much for your participation. It's been a pleasure, and good luck to you all. Thank you. <laughs>